Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host, Tim Picararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Hello, and welcome to Uphill Conversations. I am your host, Tim. And I'm Megan. And we are glad you can join us as you are living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So, hey, we're at episode 35. No, 36. 36. Bam. I'm one behind. How are you, Megan? I'm good. How are you? Hey, why don't you tell everybody what you've been doing this week? What I've been doing this week? Yeah. Uh, Wow. I've been dealing with stuff. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you want me to Well, it's spring break week. Well, it is spring break, but I haven't been really doing... I mean, I've been working. (laughs) I feel like that's what I do. No, I have vacation coming eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Keywords eventually. But no, it's been spring break, so I've been kind of... Doing things, I, I have been going a little slower than normal. Mm-hmm. So my mornings are a little later, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but um, for the most part, though, like everything was kind of rocking along, and then Wednesday hit, and I had to take my car back and get looked at. I know. So that's not fun. I don't like that. But other than that, I've been you know interviewing people mm-hmm. with you and working on good leadership and coaching stuff. Had some great coaching meetings and couple two tree things. Yeah. And we finally did, we recorded our first interview with those young professionals that- That is correct. We are really excited about our Young Professionals podcast series that we're putting together. That's coming up. Little tease, little hint. And so we eventually will be putting that out, which you and I have to get this thing solved. I know. You know? So I'm going to go ahead and say it's, the reason we haven't gotten out there yet in the information <laughs> is because of you. I don't believe that that's true, but we can argue about that later, and we will. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so before we jump into the episode, though, I have a question. And I am going to be ready. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? For it. Ready? Yes. Okay. I think. So, Tim, mm-hmm. if you could meet anyone and spend the day with them, who would it be? Anyone in all of history all of history all of history who would you want to meet and spend the day with right and why Ooh, man that's like so 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 tough and you can only pick one okay you have to make your questions a little bit more where you can say why can't it be three like three people <laughs> why can't you fan that out i i will bend the rules and allow one extra if it makes sense within the answer to the question. If it makes sense? Yeah, but you have to try to pick one. I know it's hard. So, for me, um, I'm just going to, well, all right. So, what I'll do is just for the fact that everyone has different beliefs. So, I don't want to get caught up in my belief stuff. So, Jesus would be number one. That's who I would say. So, what I'll do is just from a just from the interest part of me and my life and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'll just I'll, I'll just kind of go with that. Okay. Okay? So, in all honesty, that if I could spend the entire day with them and just hang out, mm-hmm. I would have to say I would have really loved to, and it's not just because of the play, but I would have loved to have hung out with Alexander Hamilton. Like, for real. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, he's, you know... He's the other, you know, he's this person that didn't have the pedigree and all these other things, you know, didn't line up, didn't add up, didn't fit into the caste system and all the socioeconomical stuff and whatever, you know, and I just, you know, that was a brave underdog kind of guy, you know, and what he was able to accomplish and what he was able to do. So I would have to say I would have loved, now I wouldn't have probably enjoyed that time period per se, (laughs) um, but um, they didn't have guitars. They didn't. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just if you think about it, I I wouldn't have a Gibson at that time. Right. So I would have to, like, if I'm going to just hang and learn, Mm -hmm. I would have really just 
I would just say, hey, Alex. I guess I could call him that. Right? You probably could. I could be like, hey, Alex. You could say, you can, I call, can I call you Alex? Can I call you Alex? You could ask him. He might be like, no. Yeah, call me might, Alexander. Alexander. Like, I have to give the whole thing. And then I would mm-hmm. say, good. Then you call me Timothy. <laughs> 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 he couldn't call me Tim. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would love to have just been. And I would have. And Okay. I got to add to it. Okay. I would want to, like, be in those situations in those closed door meetings like the day with him behind the closed doors where it wasn't like him being out and about and kind of just you know in a room doing a debate Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to do that I would want to do the whole like he just met with Washington now he's going down the hall and he's you know talking to Jefferson Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that whole thing like in the room where it happens that whole thing that's where I'd want to and just watch and see how he handles himself. Yeah. And then also have some time to talk with him and hang out. Well, yeah. Well, that w- because would be part of the day. Well, it would be so good that he would enjoy my company that he would say, hey, your question was just for one day, but I'm going to give you some more days. Oh. Because he would have enjoyed my company. That's see, very I- gracious of him. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> he doesn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. But that's what would happen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what okay. I would do. Cool. Alexander Hamilton. I love it. Bam. I love it. Okay, so back to the episode 36. 36, not 35 that you said. <laughs> uh, so we interviewed uh, Lynn Elioff. She is a coach, entrepreneur, and internet business lawyer who is all about building up other women. She also does work with men um, and obviously does some of her legal things um, with people other than women, but she is really all about getting women to realize kind of like their full potential and live up to what they have to give. So, I mean, she's just kind of one of her things is she said, you know, as a woman, you know, we've done so much with our lives already, given so much, loved so much, cried even harder. We want to melt into something more. And you'll really hear that passion um, come through in the interview. Yeah, she was really great to talk to. I mean, it was just incredible flow. And I know a lot of, you know, people like for me, I'm just interested in just people in general. Right. So um, even though her focus and her primary focus is on men, I mean, the principles and things that she share. Sorry, women, not men. Yeah. Boop. Okay, that was a fix. (laughs) And so it's um, thanks for correcting me. Mm -hmm. And um, but but her whole thing, the principles apply, mm-hmm. you know, and it, this is good stuff for anybody. Absolutely. Um, and I love I love her little just simple statements, her little anecdotes that she just drops out there, you know, from, you know, the guts, great grace, the AFCO, which you'll hear in the interview, mm-hmm. and then the cut, bleed, heal. Like, I love that kind of stuff, you know, and um, but but the the richness of what she shares is just mm-hmm. to me just amazing. I just I thought it was great. And. And she was um, very gracious doing an early morning interview with us. So, hey, I think it's going to be very good stuff. Absolutely. So um, we, of course, would love for you guys to connect with us. You can uh, email us at Megan at UphillConversations.co or Tim at UphillConversations.co. And, of course, you can always find us on Facebook or Twitter and um, reach out. We'd love to have any ideas for guests or um, hear from you, any ideas that you have, any topics you'd like to hear about. All right. Well, without any further delay, let's jump into this interview with Miss Lynn Elioff. Good morning, Lynn. We are so excited to have you on Uphill Conversations today. Uh, How's everything going in your world? It's going very well in my world. Thank you both so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. We're really pumped about it. And um, I'm just going to start off with, you know, I spent some time on your website, going through some of your blogs. And even though I'm, I haven't reached that um, 40 mark yet, I love your new rules for women over 40. I think they're awesome. And I love that whole idea of, you know, woman up. Um, so one of the things that struck me was you said being a woman doesn't mean you forsake the girl in you and that that girl, she is the one who really holds you accountable to your dreams. So I know what, I know what my interpretation of that is. Could you just dig into that a little bit deeper? I'd love to hear from you on that. Well, you know, we, um, I think we are 
both men and women, we, we have conversations with ourselves all the time, but we're not even aware that we we're doing that. And I think a lot of the time we are in a fight with, you know, our inner child, so to speak, and the person that we are today. And I, I think sometimes we want to say, shut up or be quiet or stop or, but, but I really do think that that's a call to um, pay attention to that inner voice that is telling you you're off track. You're not listening. You're not remembering um, the promises that you made when we were both children Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and, and we, we said we were going to do all these great things and you're not doing it. So I think of my, you know, the little girl, my, my inner six-year-old is tugging on my skirt and saying, pay attention. And I think she gets it right more often than I do. I mean, I may, I may be able to do it like an adult, but she's the one that keeps me on track. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And I know you talk a lot about that that kind of six-year-old girl inside of you. And um, I love the the conversation you have about guts, grit, and grace. Um, but you also shared a story in a previous interview about how at 11 years old, you wrote a letter to your local TV station asking them to put you on TV. And uh, I just, I love that, that boldness and that sense of self-belief that you had at a young age. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious if that's something that's kind of carried you through your entire life or, you know, have you ever had to, have you had to keep nurturing that or even maybe rediscover that, you know, that 11-year-old who wrote that letter? You know, Megan, I have done things like that throughout my life. Now, the impetus at the age of 11 may have been, you know, pure um, naivety or you know, <laughs> <really> not <laughs> understanding how things work. Sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, at, uh, at 20 or out of college, I drove myself up to a television station because I got lost going to the radio station. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> Well, I'm here. I just followed a tower and I, you know, I'm here. I may as well go in so that it's not a complete waste of my time. And I literally walked into the television station armed with the uh, resume that was for the TV station that I was supposed to be applying for a job. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I just asked, do they have any jobs opening for <laughs> any on-air personnel uh, in the newsroom? And the news director came out and she said, as a matter of fact, we're looking for someone to do the weather on the weekends. Can you do the weather? And I said, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so she said, come back, uh, you know, like a week later and for an audition. So, but basically she was saying to me, you have the job. I mean, I guess I look like, you know, a perfect little weather girl to her. <laughs> um, so I, I, I thought, okay, I'll study up on some weather things. <laughs> and I went back for this audition and it was so bad. It was so, I mean, I think I just froze. I, all I remember, literally all I remember is a red light going on (laughs) and then it was eventually over. Um, and so the same woman came out that (laughs) she had such high hopes for me. She was like, okay, what do we do now? (laughs) How do I, how do I, how do I get rid of her? Um, So she said, all right, look, this is what we're going to do. Now that you have an idea of what you're supposed to do in an audition, come back a week. uh, No, you can stay here. You can come to the station as often as you like and practice and, you know, sort of get ready and do an audition the right way. So she gave me a second chance, which was unbelievable. And I worked myself crazy um, in that week. I learned everything about the weather. I was on the phone with meteorologists. I was in front of the camera practicing how to do it. And I did the audition again. And it was, all things considered, flawless. Hmm. I mean, I was, I was still green, but this was a small station and they needed someone. And, and I, you know, I was able to get myself up to the standard where it was okay. And that was the start of my career in radio and television. Um, I got the radio job, the one I originally was trying to get. 
Um, and I got the TV job. So I ended up working five days a week at the radio station. And then I would go up on Saturdays and Sundays and do the weather at the TV station. That was about an hour away from my home. So I did that for a year and I loved every minute of it. It was fantastic. So I've done things like that in my life. I, I went to become a tennis instructor without any real background in being an instructor. I just knew how to play tennis and I got a junior level job doing that. So I don't know. I've had guts in my life. Um, and I, I, I think that's probably because of my mom. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she taught me that. You, that's really great. And, and, you know, Lynn, I applaud that because that's not many people, you know, you know, usually they get turned away or whatever. They just kind of go and hide, you know, they, or they disappear or they'll say, well, that must not be meant to be, you know, like that's what they do. But I love what you do with your second chances, you know, like you get a second chance or you create your own second chance and create your own opportunity. I'm curious, um, uh, has that something that's, is that always been a part of your life? Like, you know, you know, when you get a second chance, make the most of it. Have you always been that way? And then I think, I think so, Tim. I mean, I think that I, um, because I think the original, like where I start from is like, I want that thing. So, so if I get another chance at it, if I didn't get it right the first time, if I get another chance, that's like a gift. It's like, oh my God, how could I say no to that? So that's how I look at it. I can't imagine looking at it another way, but I, I know people do. And so, yes, I, I think to answer your question, I've always been that way. <laughs> well, I know, I know. And I think that's awesome because a lot of people, we put so much emphasis on first impressions, which I do believe that they're important, you know, and people make a lot of snap judgments, you know, off of first impressions. But I think second impressions are actually even better because there's a good chance you're going to run into people again. You know, I, and it reminds me of this story of this, this little guy I knew and I knew his family very well. And, um, his family's from Puerto Rico and he's a really, he was really tiny when he was in elementary school, he's short, he was cute and he liked these young girls and they didn't really like him because he was just small and cute. They thought he was adorable. Then one day this kid goes away, his family moves away. He comes back like a couple of years later. So one day he visits some of his contemporaries, his peers that were in school with him they see him. The kid is six foot five. He is gorgeous, <laughs> handsome. Yeah. Like it is just this amazing. And it's like, oh, my gosh, is is that little man? Well, <laughs> like they're just blown away by him. And um, but so eventually I do believe that we need to put more stock in the fact that maybe the first impression didn't go so well. We should take the time to look at it and go. I never know if I may get a second chance or second impression. So what will I do with that in that gap? And so, right. so for me, what, what do you feel are disciplines that you can pass on to people or things that you feel should be put into practice to cultivate that type of mindset to say, maybe this wasn't the right one. So whether you get to come back or not at that spot, eventually though, people may get a second look at you. So what do you do to develop that? What are some disciplines or some habits or things that you could say that would cultivate more of that type of thinking? Well, you know, uh, when I look back, Tim, I think for me it was just something innate or, you know, an inherent part of my nature to keep going. Not that, you know, it didn't sting when people said no to me, um, but somehow, and I think, you know, the universe conspires to give you these opportunities and you either take them or you don't. I call them AFCOs, by the way. And AFCO is another freaking growth opportunity. And so <laughs> those, those come at us uh, all the time and we either don't pay attention to them or we're afraid of them. And, and an AFCO can sting, right? Because it's like a, a growth opportunity. And when we're out of our comfort zone, it kind of feels icky and uncomfortable. And people say things that might, you know, threaten to, to, to make us feel bad. And so we, we turn away, or at least that's what we think is going to happen. We don't realize that there is an opportunity and what we can't see on the other side is not to be feared. So I, I don't, I was never conscious of all of that, but I think somehow that was in me. So I, I think guts are important. I talk about having the guts to go for it. Um, and then the grit to stick with it. You know, you've got to be, you, Grit is so important, that resilience 
that you can get back up more times than you fall down. And then I think as we get older, we um, we understand that we need to be uh, or we need to have grace and we need to appreciate that we are all here to just find our way and we must be forgiving and we have to show compassion both for ourselves and for other people because we're all we really are all in the same boat. Love it. And I, I think just talking about going and taking those second chances and that having that opportunity to really make a great second impression. There's something that you said that I that really hit home with me. And you asked this, this question, would you rather be embarrassed and afraid or small and insignificant? I mean, that <clears throat> that's a bold statement. And as somebody, I'm, I'm a little bit risk averse. Um, it can sting a little bit to really let that sink in. You know, wow, would I, would I rather be embarrassed and afraid or small and insignificant? So here I am thinking through that. And I've answered the question, yes, I, I'd rather be embarrassed and afraid. But how do I, how do I psych myself up to take that next step? How do I make I that leap? I think it's a question of trust, of trusting that you know what is best for you. And uh, I believe we all need to do an audit of our values. Because if you ask someone, do you have values? They're going to say, of course I have values. Then the next question is, what are they? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the conversation just dies. So I think it's important um, as we, and I think this kind of happens naturally when, as we approach 40 and we're over 40 and we're starting to ask deeper questions and expecting more of ourselves. So I think it's important to do an audit of what is important to you. What, what are your values and are they yours or did you inherit them from someone else and you've been living by them your whole life? And often those those quote unquote values are the ones that say, stay where you are. Don't rock the boat. Don't get people upset. Um, and that turns us into people pleasers. And so I think that if you value what, whatever it is, it might be for you, Megan, then you'll say to yourself, am I willing to stand up for this? And even if it's embarrassing or if it stings or if it hurts along the way, like, who is in charge here? Is it my inner six-year-old or is it my adult self who can handle, you know, embarrassment and, and my feelings being hurt? Like I can handle that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, a six-year-old isn't as skilled (laughs) to do that. And yet we, we, we process all this with our six-year-old mindset in place. And what we need to do is we need to give her a little kiss on the cheek, put her in the corner and then take over as the adults that we are and, and trust that we can handle whatever comes our way as long as we are standing up for ourselves. Wow. That's so good. Great answer. That's a great answer. I love it. Coaching with Lynn. Helio. <laughs> <laughs> we we love it because we coach too. And so it's just great when you get great coaching from mm-hmm. other coaches. It's yeah, awesome. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's great. Hey, I, I love the AFCO. You know, that is great. I'm gonna go ahead and say that to people. I'm, they're gonna something's <laughs> gonna happen. I'm gonna go AFCO. And they're gonna go, they're gonna say, Do you mean AFLAC? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, no, AFCO. If you like, look it up. <laughs> yeah. Her name is Lynn Elioff. Yeah. Go and look I'm, it up. Yeah, and I'm going to pass them on. I'm going to say, yeah, another freaking growth opportunity. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, I just believe in those, you know, I, you know, I, I'm just convinced we're not called to get it right the first time. I think we're called to learn to of get it course. right the second and the third and the fourth time. I feel it's, right. it's more of the calling of human beings to not get it right the first time. You know, we're called to get it right, go through the first time, learn from it so that you can improve upon it and have have an attitude or a value, as you put an audit of your values on continuous improvement. Like, how right. do you continue to improve upon it? And and we're so bent on perfection that we miss the beauty in that, you know, that, you know, how they say that, you know, uh, pain makes, you know, great art. And I say, well, so does love and love is messy. You know, it's yeah. messy. And it right. makes even greater, you know, uh, art to me. So I just feel like we need to, like, like as you said, put the six-year-old in the corner, kiss it on the cheek. Because it's funny that you bring up the six-year-old girl. I always tell people in every man there's a boy. 
or every yes. king, even in every king, there's a boy. And in every yes. boy, there's a king, you know, yeah. and I like to give the impression of a young girl sitting in the mirror where her hair's all a mess and she's got a little dress on and she's standing there and all she sees is a princess when she's little. But then when yeah. she gets older, because she's looked at a magazine or two, right? She looks yeah. at herself. She, I can't look like this. Mm -hmm. And then she starts moving into this realm of comparison. And we, we, we hurt ourselves with that. Men do it all the time. They look at other men. We are measuring ourselves according to someone else that, that really it's not even important. It doesn't even add up to the potential that's within us. It doesn't even add up to the uniqueness or the unmistakable things within ourselves. And so what we're doing is literally living day by day in comparisons that really don't matter. And the only thing that we need to deal with is like you said, the six-year-old in you with the adult that's, you know, that you are currently living in, you know, that person, you've got to be that yeah. person. And so, but you got to also embrace both of them because that's, Six-year-old yeah. is trying to tug on your skirt, as you said, and mm -hmm. tell you something. Yeah. So I love it. I mean, I just think that's just, you know, a, a, a great – this is great. You're doing – this is awesome. Oh, good. You're giving some great stuff here. <laughs> and, Tim, if I if I could just add to that. So how do you know when you've got an AFCO in front of you? And so that opportunity, that growth opportunity is there when you look in the mirror. So the AFCO looks like um, – you know, your either your feelings are hurt, or you look at yourself in the mirror with disgust, or someone is doing better than you in their business. And so you have two options there. You can either, uh, so the feeling that you get, that feeling of despair or disgust or whatever, that's the AFCO. That's like the, the bell that's ringing that's saying, here's an opportunity, here's the opportunity. And then your job is to say, hmm, Okay, it feels like I should just, uh, this feels so bad that I just want to go and hide in the corner or quit altogether. But the opportunity is to now ask myself, what, like, why is this even, uh, you know, important to me? Mm -hmm. What matters here? And so that's when you can rise up and, you know, you'll fall down and you'll rise up again. But if you are looking in the mirror and you are comparing yourself to someone else, well, first of all, that, you know, compassion and and self-love is all, and all that stuff is so important for you to even start this process. But you want to see, like, all right, let's be honest. Can I look better than I do right now? Have I let myself go? Do I need to honor my body and 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 thank it for everything it does for me as I shove Twinkies in my face. I mean, <laughs> we like to we like to we like to blame our bodies. We like to look in the mirror and then say, thanks a lot, body. You've really let me down. But really, you've let your body down. So it's it really is a call to action to say, what can I actually do here? Instead of just give up entirely, like how can I improve myself? Whether it's my body, whether it's a business, whatever it is that you're doing. And then, you know, so it's like, it's all about you. I like to say it's all about me, except when it's about you. And, yeah. and, and without that distraction of, oh, he's doing better than me, or she's prettier, or all of those things, those are just distractions mm -hmm. to keep you from taking the opportunity. So the, the universe doesn't make it easy for us. It doesn't hold our hand and say, this is what you do next. And then it just says, here's the opportunity, figure it out. And I think as people are realizing those opportunities and, you know, hopefully running towards them and not away from them, um, it's that shift. It's that shift that you talk about in order to get to that more meaningful life, to really live on purpose. And, you know, I, I like the idea, you know, you say, welcome to my tribe. And you're creating, you know, this empowerment of, of women and have that rallying cry. And one thing that you talk about is, you know, Women, a lot of times, we're making other people successful at the detriment to ourselves. And, you know, we get in this, got caught in this trap of trying to take responsibility, you know, for everyone else's happiness or everyone else's work, their quality of life. And, you know, we're not paying attention to ourselves. And, you know, I, one of these things, Tim, you know, he refers to it commonly as the curse of being capable. So, you know, if you're in that cycle, if you're stuck in that, you know, how do you how do you break out of that cycle? How do you work with women to kind of say, hey, you know, you're working so hard to make everyone else happy. But, you know, how do you get out of that? 
Well, first of all, I think, um, Megan, that it, we wear this curse of, uh, is it the curse of capability? Yeah, the, the curse, of, yeah. curse of being capable. The curse of being capable. Sometimes we wear that as a badge of honor. And mm-hmm. women, we Absolutely. do this so well, right? Let's like, look, look how I can please people. Uh, look how I put other people first. Is This is such a good quality about me. And, and, and we believe that. And so... I think my job is is when I'm coaching uh, someone who's in that mindset, but she knows there's something wrong, like something's missing. I think my job is to just get her to look at the way she's looking at this. And so the shift comes when you can, and when you're willing to actually have another point of view, mm-hmm. have another perspective on how you are looking at your life. Some people are not willing to do that. I, I have coached women who say, yeah, I get it, but I, I'm not willing to do that. That doesn't, that, that would hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would hurt way too much, <laughs> you know, to say no to people or to not do this for my children, even though it's causing me all this pain, I'd rather be in this pain than, you know, go in another direction. So I think that's the first question we have to find out is, are you willing to do this work because it does sting. It can bring you to your knees and all of that. That is all true. Are you willing to, to go for it? Do you have the guts to go for that? Um, because I think ultimately that is our purpose in life there that you have no other purpose than to figure out how, uh, or if you have the guts to, um, become the best person that you can be. Um, whatever that may be, however you may define that, because we all kind of wish we could be a certain way, but, you know, wishing isn't going to get you anywhere. Sure. And going along with that whole idea of guts, I'm kind of want to go back to something you said earlier. Uh, you were talking about, you know, why did I, why do I have this in me? Why do I keep going for these things and have this boldness? And you mentioned your mom. You said, you know, I, I think it's because of my mom. And, you know, I'm someone, I have two young girls. Um, and, you know, so I'm, I'm a mother. I, I would just love to know, I mean, w- did she just really teach you by example? How, expand a little bit more on that, on, on your mom and how she kind of was that person who supported you and inspired you to keep doing that. My mom, she did have guts. She, um, she started her own business, turned it into a franchise that was very successful. I saw my mom do a lot of brave bold things. And only now do I, when I look back, I could see she must have been terrified a lot of the time because we were young and she was supporting my brother and I. So, um, yeah, my mom, she, she had guts and she inspired me. And one thing that she always used to say to me, (laughs) it's not the, you know, most lovely expressions, but she used to say, cut, bleed, heal. And I think a lot of people cut, they get cut, right? They get wounded somehow and they bleed and then they just keep bleeding and bleeding for years. They, the, the, it goes on forever. So they never, uh, you know, the cut is the AFCO mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that just keeps on hurting and hurting and hurting because you don't take the opportunity to heal it and learn from the experience and then move on. So yeah, cut, bleed, heal. I will, <laughs> that, that stays with me. So whenever I'm in pain, uh, whenever I have hit, come up against something that is difficult for me to process, I remember that. All right, I've been cut. <laughs> I'm bleeding. <laughs> and um, how do I heal myself? How do I fix this? How do I come? Uh, how do I rise above? Well, the, you know, I love that. And that's and um, moms give great advice, don't they? <laughs> moms are so great. They rock. They just they just know how to yeah. say things. And, um, you know. I, that's why they call it wound care. I got to wound you to heal you, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we don't really think of it that way. But, you know, so speaking on that, you know, cut, bleed, heal. I love that. Here's what most people do. They cut, they bleed, as you say, but there's always a scabbing over. Mm-hmm. There's a scab. Yeah. But here's yeah. what people do. Pick and remind themselves. Yes. How do you keep yourself from picking the scab? What, well, a, what a gross I, term, right? Yeah, right? Um, I think some wounds don't ever completely heal. There's a scar. 
I mean, and we have scars, we have war wounds, some much bigger than others. So I don't think that we can go around saying I'm completely healed and cured of all the, I think um, those things come up for us. Like whether it's a, a, a small scab, I think it's, uh, Tim, you want to get that scab to be as small as possible so that it's not yeah. as easy to pick at. <laughs> yeah. Because I think some of that stuff, it does stay with us. And that's our daily work. Our practice is to not disturb the scab or not stare at the wound and, and go and allow ourselves to go deep into rather the, the scar rather. Um, because it's always there. And if you want mm. to, you can go right back into it just like that, right? Snap of the fingers yep. because we get triggered all the time. And so it's the, the, the thing for me is like, if I get triggered by something that, you know, threatens to, pull the scab off, so to speak. Um, I have a choice. Like I can recognize it. I think the first thing is to realize, Oh, someone just bumped into my scab. <laughs> someone <laughs> just, someone just nicked me a little bit that felt familiar. And I'm tempted to go down this road and you have to catch yourself and go the other way and, and maybe put a bandaid on it until it stops <laughs> until you can stop picking at it. I love what you just said. I love that. Our daily work. Wow. Yeah. That is just, that's powerful. You know, it's yeah. our daily work to keep yeah. our eyes off. It's like a watch pot. Uh, what does they say? A watch pot never boils, mm -hmm. right? You know, right. I mean, obviously we know it does boil. It'll get there, <laughs> but you're going to feel so impatient staring there and watching it. It's like the farmer doesn't watch. He doesn't stand there once he plants something and just watches. He goes, he goes right. about his business and right. he knows what he's got to do. And I think that is, and I love that. It's a good example of when you are cut, when you are bleeding and you're in the healing process, that's your daily work, you know, to take yeah. time to right. allow the process. And, and I feel like we, as people, and a lot of times the universe is trying to give us so much, but we are so just resistant to process. Mm -hmm. So yeah. for you, let me ask you, how do you keep yourself in the discipline of working with a process? Well, I really pay attention to what those cuts feel like, like the cuts that are familiar, like there's the original wound, right? And then, and then we relive it when we come across the a familiar person or if we go to a place or we see a thing and we get triggered. And so I think being aware that when you have a certain feeling, for me, I say, ah, that's that, that person just triggered that feeling in my gut that I could ever, I could never explain with words. I mean, it's just, I think, so unique to me and, and it means something. And so I have to pay attention. Whereas one time I might have been drawn to that person uh, and in a way that would not be good for me, I can now say, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm going this way. This, this person is not for me. Um, and you know, it, that's hard to do still. There are times where that's hard to do. I start fighting with myself, turn away. No, turn away. No. <laughs> so I, I have to trust that, um, that feeling, that signal. And I think it's that little six-year-old tugging on my skirt saying, no, don't go there. No, don't do that. Mm. Wow. That is great. Love it. So I, I love all of this conversation, but, you know, Lynn, you are um, you also have a legal background. So um, I, I just kind of thinking through um, you have this really interesting combination of coach and lawyer. And so I'm, I'm someone I worked for quite a few years in the banking industry. And, you know, when you're in that industry, I feel like similar to law, you're trained to look for pitfalls and identify those people who are out to do you wrong and really anticipate the worst. Like, what could someone do? Um, and when I was in that, I started to really realize I was taking on a more pessimistic view of the world, even though I'm definitely much more naturally of an optimistic person. So, you know, 
in a world where people are using law and legal action as a scare tactic, where we as you know business people, entrepreneurs, need to be actively protecting ourselves of what other people might do to harm us, I mean, in your experience, what do you what do you think the effect is of this? You know, on kind of people and on business people and and you know us as individuals not in even on society and how we relate to each other uh, that's a really good question I've actually thought a lot about this and one of the things when I came out of uh, law school and deciding you know what kind of lawyer do I want to be I mean law school to me was amazing I loved it it there were so many Afghos in there. I fell down on my knees so many times. I bet. <laughs> I got to tell you. But it was, it really helped me uh, uh, think. So, you know, you hear about how to think like a lawyer and they teach you how to think in law school. But mm-hmm. so, um, and and combining that with coaching now, what, you know, when I have all this life experience behind me, that really uh, helps me. I ask I ask really good questions of my clients and, and it's not like, where were you on the night of the fourth? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I ask questions that I think are very relevant that make people think. Um, and, but I had to decide like, what kind of lawyer do I want to be? And I, the answer wasn't so easy. I just knew that I didn't want to be that lawyer, you know, the one in the corner office with, uh, you know, uh, all this lavish surroundings and eight working 80 hours a week. And, um, you know, the kind of lawyer that people make jokes about, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be an employee in that sense either. So, um, I worked for a few small firms and really was unhappy and I hired a coach and that's what took me down this whole road of, um, starting my own business online for online entrepreneurs who clearly needed some help um, with doing the legal stuff. And I thought, you know, there's so much that people can do themselves. So I created a DIY legal toolkit that they can use. And then I started coaching people on coaches in particular on starting their businesses online. Like these are the things you need to do because <laughs> starting a business Starting your own business is an AFCO of epic proportions, which I <laughs> have personal experience with. And so I learned so much um, on the practical side of how to start a business and then putting all the legal stuff together for how do you run an online business? And then, like, how am I going to present that in a way that people will actually listen? Because if they hear the word lawyer, they're going to think, Oh, she's just trying to, you know, all of that. And so, Megan, this may surprise you, but I use scare tactics. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I do, because this is so important. And so this is one of those times where you don't get to put your head in the sand. You don't get to be six years old. You need to be a grown up adult who has decided to run a business. And if you don't put certain things in place to protect yourself, your family, your business, then you could cause some serious harm down the road. Like this is not a joke. So I want to scare you into your adulthood and responsible self to do what you need to do. And I'm going to make it really easy for you. I've created this toolkit. You can do a lot of it yourself and save yourself a ton of money in legal fees, but you have to do it if you're going to run a business and be responsible and not let your six-year-old self take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) That, that is so good. I love that, that you want to scare them into it, which, which sometimes that's what we need. I, I tell people all the time, I don't know what anyone's spiritual background is, but you know, most of us would probably drop dead if we could see what happens in an invisible realm. We would just literally like collapse. You know what I mean? And so yeah. and that's what you're doing. You're saying you have no idea what's out there in this world that you are unaware of, you know? Yeah. And if, and if that light gets flicked on and you're not prepared for it, you will probably drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and I almost think in some ways too, I mean, you're kind of saying, Hey, protect your joy and yeah. your optimism and your entrepreneurial spirit because if you don't set those things in place, I mean, you can drown. You can drown. Yeah. And if I'm not um, being very kind-hearted on that particular day, <laughs> I'll just say, <laughs> I'll just say, grow 
up. Like <laughs> yeah. grow yourself up. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like you left it sounds like you left something out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where that could go right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it kind of is that. I mean, we need to be able to say that to ourselves and with with humor. I mean, and I I, yeah. I always use humor to to sort of say, come on, like um, really. Yeah, yeah, put put on put on your big girl pants. Yeah, come and, on, yeah. man. <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, um, hey Lynn, two questions for you. And um and and uh as we wrap up here, what do you do to invest in yourself? Like what is an ongoing thing that you do or something you're currently doing to really invest in yourself, to stay fresh, to keep growing uh for your continuous improvement, um, so you can serve others better. Um, what is something that you can share with our listeners um in that regard? Well, I read a lot, but lately I've been listening to books and I find that that is, um, and, and there are books by women who talk about all of the stuff we're kind of talking about now. I get inspired by them and they lift me up. And I mean, I've always had books. I have so many books. And I think one of the reasons I turned to audiobooks is because I thought I cannot buy any more books. I'm going to have to buy a bigger house. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think so, you and Tim have a lot in common there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yes. Lynn, you and I are uh, probably, we're related. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like, I'm one of those, like I took my daughter to go see Beauty and the Beast and that library was huge. You know, yeah. and after, you know, we, you, you know, the, the latest Beauty and the Beast. And so we're sitting there, it's our little date and the library was so big and she was like, wow. And I got her into reading. She's seven and I got her so excited about reading. I read all the time. And so when we we're leaving, we brought that up and we were talking about, she was like, Papa, would you ever want a library that big? And I'm like, oh. yeah, <laughs> but that library yeah. in that movie is bigger than our house. <laughs> so we would have nowhere to live. We'd have to live in the library. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I think the coolest thing, and, and this is me not really knowing what, what it would entail, but I think it would be amazing to have a bookstore. I, I just think that that would be the coolest thing to have a bookstore. And just, I see myself in the bookstore, just walking up and down the aisles, watching people buy books and the books that I chose that I thought would be, you know, valuable for customers and being so proud of that. I mean, I just, uh, Someone told me that owning a bookstore is a nightmare, so yeah. I don't know if I'll ever do that. But yeah, I love being in a library or in a bookstore. That to me is heaven. Uh, Tim, if I ever have a day where I am not getting it together and the AFCOs are knocking me sideways, left, right, and center, if I go into a bookstore and I just walk around and pick up books that interest me and read a little bit and move on to the next. And, and then, you know, I may come out with two or three that I want. That is so therapeutic for me. I cannot tell you. That is awesome. I love that. And just so yeah. you know, when you want to talk about the nightmare of a bookstore, all you have to do is watch You've Got Mail. Remember Fox Books? Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember? Remember Meg Ryan right, had a little, yes, had a little right. shop, remember? That's right. <laughs> a little shop around and, the corner. And, that's right. A little shop around the corner. And, and, I remember. And big yes. Fox Books. Fox Books. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, another question for you. Uh, three things that you are optimistic about over the next 12 months. Hmm. Um, it, it personally or for the world, <laughs> what, whatever you, whatever comes to your mind, it's, it's your question. You answer it how you want. So one of the things that I have become optimistic about is that people figure figure out their own stuff, right? They, they can figure it out and I don't have to help them figure it out. That has been like one of the most difficult things for me to learn, especially when it comes to my children, um, so I am optimistic that I will get better at allowing people to just figure out their own stuff without getting getting involved and cheering them on and all of that. Um, so that's one thing I'm optimistic about. Um, <laughs> I'm optimistic that women are going to figure out what it really means to have it all and that there is no such thing and that we have serious decisions to make when it comes to what we want to do with our lives and how that doesn't necessarily mean 
we want to live our lives the way men live their lives. That is huge. And I think that, uh, and, and I think that we're going in that direction. So I'm optimistic about that. And then the third thing would be that I am optimistic that I will not have as much chocolate as I really do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But chocolate is so good. Hey, Lynn, you just tell everybody you're part French. They eat chocolate every <laughs> That's day. It. That's it. There you go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. I am a little bit. I could give up all sweets except, I mean, and maybe that's just a, I mean, a woman thing. That's stereotype. But yeah. I could not. I could I not. I know, right? I could not do it. <laughs> Um, well, gosh, thank you so much, Lynn. We have, we've really, really enjoyed having you on today. It's been great conversation. Um, but we, it, it would be great. Could you tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they can connect with you? Uh, you can learn more about me at lynnelioff.com, but I know that's not always easy to spell, so I have a redirect, <laughs> which is... <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gutsyglouriousliving.com. That's and that'll cool. take you to my site. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, thank you again, Lynn. And this has been very, very inspirational. And definitely you gave some fuel. And um, we applaud all your work and everything you're doing. And we are going to be standing behind you and lending our support. And we want to see whatever we can do to serve you. And hopefully that um, our audience will... Uh, those of them will gravitate over toward your area and, and just take a sneak peek and hopefully engage. So thanks again. Thank you so much, Tim and Megan, for the amazing questions that you asked, the, the work that you're doing. I knew just uh, by getting to know you and uh, what you have been doing in the world that we were going to have a really good conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's an honor. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Um, and we want to thank you for listening in with our wonderful conversation with Lynn Elioff. And um, this has been great. So I hope you will take uh, what was shared to heart and just do something with it. Take some action. And remember, you're going to have some AFCOs. I love that. Another freaking growth opportunity is coming your way. So go ahead and embrace it. But remember, your, your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill. You cannot go uphill with downhill habits. And most importantly, you will see myself, you will see Megan and Lynn on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.